Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the HL Pension Pod. The topic we're talking about today is trustee protections on a scheme that's in winding up and has wound up. Uh, I'm Duncan Buchanan, a partner in the pensions team, and I'm joined by Charlotte Yates, who is one of our senior associates. Over the last couple of years, Charlotte and I have worked on a number of schemes that are in the course of winding up or have wound up, and we thought we'd like to share some of our experience with you. Um, Charlotte's going to be the question master, and she's going to pose a number of questions to me. So, Charlotte, over to you. Thanks, Duncan. Um, Well, as you said, we're seeing that despite uh, events of recent years and COVID and what's been happening lately, um, a number of our clients are still uh, going through buy-ins and they're still moving towards buyout and winding up. Having gone through a buyout and wind up, something that they need to think about is what happens after this scheme ceases to exist. Um, What happens if someone comes forward with a claim saying you haven't secured my benefits properly or saying that the trustees have acted improperly? Um, What do you advise your clients to do to deal with those risks? It's a a topical question, as you say, because lots of schemes are in this process. They've got to the point where they can go to an insurer and secure all their members' benefits. And then they get to the end of that process and complete the winding up. Now, once they've wound up, there's no scheme left, no assets left. But uh, I think responsible trustees want to make sure that, as you say, if someone uh, comes forward and is able to show that they have a claim to a benefit, that that benefit will be provided. Just because they fell off someone's membership list uh, doesn't mean they're not entitled or don't deserve their benefit. Also, uh, it's not inconceivable that someone comes forward and says, you've insured the wrong benefits for me. What we find in practice is because there's a risk and trustees want to uh, ensure that that risk is covered, uh, there's an insurance market out there. Um, And there are three types of insurance that, that we usually see for schemes in wind up. The first is a specific overlooked beneficiary insurance policy to cover the unknown, unknown people that come forward out of the blue. And I think it's fair to say in the 30 plus years I've been doing pensions, I've never known anyone come forward out of the blue and make a claim. Um, Then the next is this incorrect benefits. Someone comes forward, you've secured the wrong pension for me. There are two types of cover here. The first is usually for larger schemes who've insured with uh, an insurance company through a bulk annuity that includes what's called residual risk. Used to be called all risk, but all risk is a misnomer. We now call it residual risk. And under those residual risk type policies, the bulk insurance provider will uh, agree to correct incorrect benefits. Uh, The other type, which tends to be for smaller schemes, is what we call runoff insurance, where the trustees go to the insurance market, general insurance market, and they find an underwriter that is prepared to offer cover to protect against these incorrect benefits. And the final part is to protect the trustees from personal liability. And that personal liability, again, in my 30 odd years, I've never known a trustee of a scheme that's gone through a winding up process to be um, held personally liable. But it's more a question if someone comes forward 
with a claim, someone has to pay the cost of people like us, Charlotte, to, <laughs> to investigate the claim and yeah. see whether the claim is a valid claim. That tends to be uh, pension trustee liability insurance. Now, in practice, smaller schemes get one insurance policy that covers overlooked and runoff and trustee liability. So there, there's a, a pick and mix approach, let's put it like that. Yeah, and you sometimes see kind of layered policies these days, don't you? There's, so there's quite a lot of insurance policies out there, and it sounds like you can cover off um, a fair number of the risks that trustees would be worried about with insurance. But I suppose like any other insurance, there are some gaps which insurance can't cover. And I think we see, obviously, there are some exclusions as well. And I think some of the things we see are kind of time limits on some of these policies or things like professional trustees not being covered by the pension trustee liability insurance. Um, is there anything else that you think trustees can do to fill those gaps you're, with their insurance? You're, you're, you're right, Charlotte. In, in the market at the moment, uh, you can't get full cover. And I said all risks is a misnomer. <laughs> uh, every residual risk policy I've ever been involved with has carve outs for um, perhaps a document wasn't validly executed or may not have been validly executed. Um, so there are always holes in the level of insurance cover. Now, most schemes that I am involved with, they have a paternalistic employer. They recognize that the trustees are former employees, maybe members of the scheme, maybe don't get paid for doing their job. Um, so it's normal to uh, for the employer to step forward and say, look, guys, if anything comes forward and it's not covered by these insurances that we put in place at a premium, uh, for example, something comes out after that policy has expired or is subject to an exclusion, then don't worry, we'll run with it. But it's only if the insurance isn't there to cover it. And also we want you to agree with us that we, if you like, have conduct of the claim so that effectively you hand it over to the employer and its legal team and that they'll resolve it. So it's, it's really a catch-all and a, a very nice to have for, for trustees. It's useful for trustees if they already have an employer indemnity in their trustee and rules, and not all schemes do. Uh, and if that is the case, it's easy to explain to the employer that you want that indemnity. That is that is a good fallback position for trustees. Of course, as we've discovered, employers can change over yeah. time. You never know what's going to happen after you've wound up that scheme. But I suppose it's a good starting point to extend the employer um, indemnity if you can. And I think I suppose another thing is thinking about how long you'd want that indemnity to last for, because we talked about uh, time limits for the insurance policies. And one of the things that people always seem to ask is, well, what about limitation periods? And I don't know if you have any thoughts on how that affects these risks and what we should be saying about yeah. how long the indemnity should last for. Well, normally uh, uh, I would expect an employer's indemnity to last indefinitely. Yeah. Uh, as you say, most of these insurance policies, well, the, the runoff insurance policies will last a maximum of 15 years. I tend to advise trustees that, you know, obviously the longer is the better, but there's a cost to having longer cover. Yeah. Um, and uh, I think 12 years would be a, an acceptable period. 15 years is better uh, because this brings in the, the issue, a legal issue of limitation of claims. 
under under normal contract and trust law, if there's a breach of trust, the person who is claiming the breach or breach of contract has to bring a claim within six years of the breach. There are issues if they didn't know about the breach, but that's that's complicated <laughs> complicated law. I don't want to get into. The the issue we have in pensions is. At the moment, no one's quite sure what the limitation period would be for a scheme that has wound up and the trustees have ceased to act in the role of trustees. For how long are they potentially liable for breach of trust claims? There have been a, a, a few cases in this area recently. I'm thinking Lloyds Bank and then there was the Axminster, the Axminster case, um, which suggests that so long as the trustees have money, are in possession of trust assets yeah a beneficiary there is no limitation period i think that the better view may well be once you've terminated the trust and cease being a trustee we're looking at a six-year time limit now Most claims yeah. to make a claim and i think that would be six years from the date the scheme terminated not six years from the breach of trust but yeah. you know these these are untested issues um as su such i think 12 years, 15 years should be adequate. But I do emphasize these sorts of claims are very rare. But if you are a trustee of a scheme, you want to make sure you, you're doing the right thing and making sure that if these claims come forward, they will be investigated and paid out if they're valid. So, so those are kind of useful protections for the end of the process when you get to the point of winding up when, like you say, when you've got no further assets. But I think there are also some kind of useful, practical and sensible things you can do along the way while you're preparing for buy-in and then, you know, during the buy-in process so that when you get to the wind-up stage, you feel like you've kind of mitigated those risks as much as possible. Um, do you want to talk a bit about the kind of thing that yeah. you tell people to do? I, I, th I think any any trustee or scheme going through the, the phase, so they've gone to an insurer, a bulk annuity provider, and they've paid a massive premium that they can't get back and they're then on the road to buy out, uh, wind up. During the course of that journey, as, as you say, Charlotte, there's a number of practical issues that you can take. The first is it's customary for the administrators to work with the insurance company to do a deep data cleanse so that the insurer gets comfortable, they fully understand the benefits that they've signed up to provide. Now, there can be a, a premium adjustment at the end of that data cleanse period. And some of these periods can last up to two years, depending on the size of the scheme and the quality of the data. But data cleanse is, is important because it means that people are looking at each individual member and double checking that they agree that that's the level of benefit. Having gone through your data cleanse, I think the next practical step is to write out to the members to say, guess what, um, to say, we are about to wind up the scheme or uh, we've secured all your benefits. Attached with this letter is a, a member personalized statement. Um, this sets out the benefits that we've secured for you. Uh, and these are the benefits that the insurer will provide after the scheme has wound up. Effectively, please check it and speak now or forever hold your peace. Uh, and um, 
I think that is a sensible step to take for, for yeah. trustees. Whether the members actually engage and read the thing is a matter for them. But you've done reasonable steps to make sure that you've checked that you've got the right members and you've got the right benefits for them. At least given them the opportunity to say, yes, there's a glaring error. Exactly. Because <laughs> if they come back six years after the wind up, you can say, but what we wrote to you, why didn't you, why didn't and you, you respond? Yeah. And then... Um, more more issue, more practical steps. Um, as part of a bulk annuity policy, it's common for the trustees to have to give uh, warranties to the insurer, the, the, the bulk insurer, the annuity provider. Um, I advise trustees that they should get go to their administrator and get a letter from their administrator that effectively says something like, we're the administrator to the scheme, um, as far as we are aware, having made reasonable inquiries, all of the members of the scheme are listed in the policy uh, data schedule, so a big long Excel spreadsheet, and the benefits that uh, are provided for under the policy are, as far as we as administrators are concerned, true, complete and accurate something like that. So again, that's that's to help the trustees give that warranty to, to the insurance company, which is often repeated at the point of moving to buy out wind up. But it also is a practical step. The trustees don't know who the members are. You know, these are big schemes. Um, they don't know how a member's benefit is calculated. The people that do are the administrators. So get a, get a letter of confirmation from them. Two more things that we do. Uh, right at the end of the process, we usually do a deed of termination, and that has attached to it the audited accounts, the final audited accounts for the pension scheme, which show a zero balance, no assets, no liabilities. Uh, and that deed of termination confirms uh, that the scheme has completed its winding up and the trusts are terminated. It's also common, if, if you're getting an employer indemnity, for the employer to be a party to that deed to again repeat that indemnity because there is a suggestion that once the trust is terminated, anything in the trust deed and rules disappears, Fall away. falls yeah. away. And then where you have a trustee company, and most of my clients now are corporate trustees, so a, a company but with trustee directors, um, it's common to say, well, the trustee company now has no further role, so we, we're going to wind it up. Uh, now, you can either liquidate it, which is a formal legal process, or you can make an application to company's house for the trustee company to be struck off. If a company struck off, any creditor can still apply to the company's house to have the company re restored to the role and then bring an action. Um, one thing I've forgotten, Charlotte, and you should have reminded me, is <laughs> we should also, it's common, to um, issue Section 27 of the Very Trustee Act, yes. 1925 adverts, uh, the good old 1925 Act. In the well-read London Gazette. <laughs> yeah. So uh, if, if, if trustees are winding up and distributing assets, they sh should issue... Uh, advertisements in, as you say, the incredibly well-read London Gazette, <laughs> well but, but also a uh, newspaper circulating in the region. And I tend to say to trustees, just put it in the, in the Times or the Telegraph or 
Um, the national. Yeah, I had one where they put it in lots of local papers. Some people did actually come forward and try and stake a claim. But uh, that was the only case I've ever had where uh, anyone tried to come forward as a result of these adverts. So it sounds like there is quite a lot that trustees can do to protect themselves. And those sound like all good things. Um, but I suppose uh, there's a cost to those steps and particularly to things like taking out insurance. Um, and it seems like it's really positive for the trustees and actually also for the employer to make sure that this process is done properly. There's also it's also important to make sure the employer is on board with this. So do you have any advice for trustees on how best to manage this process or how do you advise your clients to engage with their employers on this? Well, I, I think um, any scheme that's looking at going to an insured arrangement, so looking to do a full buy in, it's essential that they go on a journey with the, their employer at the beginning of the process. Uh, even if they've got more than enough money to pay the premium, they're going to need the employer to support that decision and to be with them on that journey, for instance, to meet any expenses or agree to meet any premium adjustment following data claims. I think it's very sensible for trustees and employers to put down a, uh, a journey plan in what we call a framework agreement. And as part of that framework agreement, I think the issue of trustee protection post windup should be addressed. Is the, is the employer going to uh, meet any shortfall in funds needed to pay insurance premiums, for instance, you know, this runoff cover, et cetera? Um, is, is the employer going to give an indemnity? If so, what's the wording of that indemnity? So I would very much encourage trustees listening to this podcast who are thinking they're going to embark on this journey to sit down at an early stage and map out what, what's going to happen. Uh, and that's also good advice to the employer as well, because it avoids any surprises down, down the journey line. Yeah. Well, thanks, Duncan. That's been very interesting. Well, thank you, Charlotte. That was, that was enjoyable. And um, thank you to listeners. Um, our next HL Pension podcast will be uh, coming out in November.